We're living in some crazy days, are we not? <laughs> to say the least. Let's see. We got a world pandemic. We got political and social chaos in our nation, at least, really around the world, too. And last night, a hurricane went about 20 miles from where my wife is. Now, she's fine. She's fine. Last time I saw her, she was on a raft floating out into the Gulf. And <laughs> she had a life jacket, though. And she had one of those little flare guns. So, you know, she'll be all right. She'll be okay. If she's watching, hey, Susanna, I love you. We're praying for you. <laughs> and hi to our online audience also, our online congregation. Welcome in to our service this morning. And also to our, we forget about our CLC folks. Let's say hi to the CLC folks. Hey, worship folks over in CLC. Y'all yell, yell for us so we can hear you. No, not y'all, them. <laughs> oh, well. Great to, great to hear them, sort of, kind of. It's, it's a shame we have to be apart, but we're separated, but that's where we're at, so we have to do the best we can, right? Do the best we can with every day God's given us, and that's what I want us to talk about today and think about, making every day count. Making every day count. Every day is a gift. God's given you a gift today. A precious gift. It's called the gift of life. That passage that Brother Eric read in Psalm 139 talks about how precious life is. Every life matters. Every life matters. Every human life matters. And God has given us life today. A life to live. A gift from Him. If you're in your 20s sitting in here today... Or over there, or online, you're, you've lived about mm, 7,300 days. 7,300 days. If you're in your 30s, you've lived about 11,000 days. If you're in your 40s, you've lived about 15,000 days. If you're in your 50s, you've lived about 19,000 days. If you're like me in your 60s and getting kind of old and slow, you've lived about 22,000 days. If you've lived into your 70s, You've lived about 25,000 days. If you've been blessed to live in your 80s, you've lived about 29,000 days. And if God has blessed you with a long life and you've lived into your 90s, you've lived over 32,000 days. That sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Turn to James chapter 4 with me. James chapter 4. That's where we'll begin this morning. Kind of our springboard passage into this Time of thinking about making every day count. James chapter 4, beginning at verse 14. I'm sorry, verse 13. Begin at verse 13. James chapter 4. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Verse 14. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Verse 15, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. 
James says our life is like a vapor. If you ever looked up at the sky and seen a jet streaking across the sky and it leaves that vapor trail, right? Because of the, the atmosphere at the altitude is very, very cold and the, the heat coming out of those jet engines is very, very hot. And so the, the oxygen condenses, it leaves a vapor trail. It's kind of a, a beautiful thing to see. And you'll see that and you'll turn away and do something and you'll look back up and what's happened? That vapor trail is just, is vanishing away. It's gone. That's how James describes, the Word of God describes our life. It's fleeting quickly. It's going by faster than we want to admit. Peter Marshall, who was a great man of God, a great pastor, his wife wrote many, many books. Peter Marshall died at an early age, about 46. He was at one time the chaplain of the United States Senate, pastored the church, a great man of God. He also did research regarding the heritage of America. And as he did research, he focused on the Civil War period, the years leading up to the Civil War, the late 1850s. And he discovered that there was not one major Christian denomination that spoke out against slavery leading up to the Civil War. Not one. And as a result, our nation engaged in a horrible civil war, Cost the lives of about 620,000 men and women. Edmund Burke, who was an Irish philosopher and a British politician, is credited with this statement. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Let me say that again. Let that sink in for a moment. It's a great statement whether he originally said it or not. There's some debate on whether he really did, but it doesn't matter who said it. It's true. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men and women to do nothing. What are you doing with your day today? This is all you have. Yesterday's gone. You may never see tomorrow. All you have is right now, today. What are you doing with your day? I want to share with you this morning seven ways to make every day count. To the glory of God. Again, the passage that Eric read, Psalm 139 says that our days are ordained by God. They are written in his book. Every day that you live is, has been ordained by God. It's been given to you. He knows how many days you have. You don't, but he does. And so how are you going to make those days count? Number one, pray and listen. Pray and listen. My wife tells me often that I don't, I'm not listening and Admittedly, sometimes I'm not. We men, we're, we're kind of one-track mind. We get focused on one thing, and we, can, we can't do anything else. We're just we're focused on that one thing. At least I tend to be like that. And while women can multitask, their brains, they're wired differently. They can do all kinds of things that, that 
any given time. But, man, we, I don't know why we struggle with that so much. That's the way God's made it. So we can focus on one thing, and that's good. But we need to work on listening sometimes. I know I do. And we need to listen to God. Daniel, the prophet, in chapter 9 and verse 3, he says, So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek Him by prayer and supplication. He says, I gave my attention. He was riveted upon. He was focused upon God and God alone to see him through those difficult days of being carted off into Babylon as one of God's people and being the spokesperson. He had to be a diplomat and God used him and elevated him up highly into that society, that culture. And God used him in an awesome way to worship the one and true living God. Daniel was focused. Daniel was listening to God. And we need to take from him that example of doing the same. We need to listen to God. And we need to pray. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Cease striving. It means to drop your hands, to, to let go, to relax, and, and let God direct your lives. Proverbs 3. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Pray and listen. Meet with God every day. I don't care if you do it in the morning, midday, or afternoon, or evening, at midnight. It doesn't matter when. Just do it. Meet with God. Spend time with Him. And covenant to pray. Intercessory prayers, that means praying with, for other people. Pray for other people. It'll get your mind off your own struggles, off your own problems. Pray for other people. Bring them before the Lord and do it and do it consistently. That'll help make your day count for the kingdom. Do you want your day to count for the kingdom? Do you? Amen. I do too. Our lives are like a vapor. Pray and listen. Number two. The second way you can make your day count is to witness for Christ. And try to daily if you can. Witness for Christ. The New Testament word for witness is martyrios, which means literally to give your life. You hear the English word martyr in that word. What are you, if you are a martyr, you are dead. (laughs) If you're a martyr, you've given your life for the kingdom. Hopefully we won't have to give our lives physically, but maybe one day we will. Who knows? It's not looking too great at the moment. And if we do, we should do it willingly, freely for the kingdom of God. But right now we need to give our life. We need to witness. And when you're witnessing, you're literally sharing your life with someone else for their need of Christ. And the greatest witness you can share with anyone is your own Personal testimony. It's first-hand information, right? This is what Christ has done for me. It's hard to argue with that. You can argue with talking about someone else. And they can. the person you're sharing with may be arguing back with you. But it's hard to argue with what's happened to you in your life. Share the gospel. My father-in-law, who passed on to heaven not too many days ago, was the greatest evangelist I've ever known. He shared the gospel Every day of his life, he lived to be 94 and almost a half years old. And he shared the gospel. He was sharing the gospel to the very end. He was sharing the gospel with the nurses in the hospital as he was dying with COVID-19. He was sharing the gospel. And if he can do it, you can do it. 
We can all do it. We've been called to do this. We've been commanded to do this. Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty or void, but without accomplishing the purpose for which it was sent. And succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Share the gospel. There's power in the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Share the gospel with people. Be a witness. Don't be scared. God has commanded us to do it. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, the Great Commission. Jesus could have said anything He wanted to at that point. He was ready to go back to be with the Father. He could have said absolutely anything. What did He say? He said, go and make disciples. You can't have a disciple unless you're doing evangelism. You've got to win people to Christ in order to disciple them. It's two sides of the same coin. There's got to be both. You have to share the gospel so you'll have a disciple to make. Share the good news of the gospel. Listen, sharing Christ is one of the greatest, maybe the greatest privilege as a Christian that we'll ever have. This is our only shot here on planet earth. You get to heaven, you don't have to share the gospel. This life, this moment in time is what God has given us to share it. Share the good. It's good news. Who doesn't want to share and to hear good news? It's what the word gospel means. It's awesome news. It's, it's life-changing news. It's changed my life. It's changed your life. Share it with people. Witness for Christ and do it as often as you possibly can. You want to make each day count? Pray and listen. Share the gospel. Number three, read and apply God's word daily. You got to share the gospel. Dale Moody, who was a great pastor, latter part of the 19th century, died in 1899, about eight days before the 20th century. He was a great pastor, founded Moody Church, founded Moody Bible Institute. He was out sharing the gospel one day with a fellow just on the streets there in Chicago. Does Chicago not need the gospel now? <laughs> wow. He was sharing, this is 18, 1880s, 1870s, sharing the gospel. And the guy got kind of aggravated at Moody. He said, Mr. Moody, he said, I, I don't really like your, and this guy proposed or professed to be a Christian. He said, Mr. Moody, I don't really like your method of sharing the gospel. Mr. Moody said, well, sir, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm just trying to be obedient and do what Christ has called me to do, to share the gospel. The fellow said, well, sir, I just don't like, I don't like your method. To which Moody replied, well, sir, what, you say you're a Christian. And I just want to ask you, what, what is your method? The fellow replied, well, um, hmm, let me think. Um, I don't guess I have a method. <laughs> to which Moody replied, I think I like my method better than yours. There are a lot of ways to share the gospel. The Romans Road, the Bridge to Life. Four spiritual laws, 
A lot of ways to share the gospel. Pick one and do it. Develop your own. Share your own testimony. Again, that's the most powerful way. And read and apply God's Word and do it daily. Read God's Word. Again, there's multiple ways to read through God's Word. We do the map journal here at the church. There's a lot of ways. I like to take a book of the Bible, read it all the way through, and just move through the Word of God like that. That's my preference. may not be your preference. It doesn't matter. Read it. One chapter, 20 chapters a day. Read it through in a year. Take two years. It took me two years to read the Bible the last time I read through the Bible last year. I'm slow. I'm a little slow. But I like to meditate and, and think about what I'm re- Not that you don't think about when you're reading God's Word, but it, I'm just a little slower. That's okay. It's not a race reading through God's Word. The point is to read it. Read it and apply it every day. Again, multitude of methods to do so. Chronologically is a good way. <clears throat> Meaning that Reading it from the beginning of the the dates of the books. Job really is the earliest book in God's Word that was inspired to be included in the canon of Scripture. So, a lot of different ways. Just read God's Word. Again, you'll never be sorry for... Have you ever, you know, read God's Word and put it down and said, Man, I wish I'd never read that. No, you're not going to do that. Read God's Word every day. Day of your life. It's food. It's spiritual nourishment. And we need it. Read it. And apply it to your life. There's, you know, there's lots of things theologically that we can talk about regarding God's Word in the study, the branch of theology called hermeneutics. It's the art and science of interpreting and applying God's Word and, and teaching God's Word. It's got all the grammar, all the systematic theology, all of that stuff is wonderful. Our heads, they get big and we get headaches studying all that stuff. And it's great to know all that stuff. It really is. It's awesome. I love studying God's Word and studying theology. But listen, if you don't take all that stuff and apply it to your life, it does you absolutely no good whatsoever or anyone else. Any good. We've got to be a doer of the word, as James says, and apply God's word to our life. I'm convinced that one of the reasons Christians act like non Christians is because they simply do not read the word of God. If you ever talk to another Christian who's professed to be a Christian and they say, Wow, I didn't know that was in the Bible. How do you know that's in the Bible? Well, because I read the Bible. Maybe you ought to read the Bible and then you'll know it's in the Bible. Read the Word of God. It will correct your life. Second Timothy 3.16 is profitable for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That the man of God will be adequate for every good work. Word of God is inspired. It is God breathed from the very beginning to the very end. Read God's Word. You can trust God's Word. It is complete. You don't need to add anything else or take away from it. It is complete within itself. It is God's inspired, inerrant Word. And it's a Word of life to us. Read it and apply it to your life. You still with me? Amen? Amen. I can't tell. You're all covered up with those masks. and can't tell if you're snarling or... If you're smiling or number three, number three, 
No, number four. Number four. Show someone you love them daily. Show someone that you love them daily. It's great to tell someone you love them. I love you. It's great to say you love them, but you've got to show people you love them too. How do you do that? Well, we used to be able to hug people. <clears throat> you remember those days back in the back in the winter, <laughs> the early winter? You could hug somebody. You could actually hug somebody and shake their hand, maybe even give them a holy kiss. <laughs> but those days are gone, at least for the moment. That's okay. They're coming back. Don't worry. We need to show people we love them. 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Love never fails. Faith, hope, and love. But love never fails. Love always wins. When you've tried everything else, try love. Love always wins. Show somebody you love them. Give them a kind word. Proverbs 15, 4. A soothing tongue is a tree of life. 1513, how delightful is a timely word. 1821 of Proverbs, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Read James chapter 3 about the tongue. Careful with our words. You can destroy someone's life with your words or you can bless and make someone's life with your words. Show somebody you love them. Demonstrate it to them. Again, you will never be sorry for showing someone you love them. You'll never be sorry for reading and applying God's Word. You'll never regret witnessing for the Lord. You'll never regret praying and listening to God and praying for other people. All of these things are so basic and so Christianity 101. But we need to do them. We need to apply them. Our culture is going to hell because Christians are not living the Christian life. We, If we call ourselves a Christian, we need to live it and practice what we preach. They did it in the first century. Acts chapter 4. The Bible says they had all things in common. The Bible says that they prayed together. They met together. They shared all things were in common together. And the Bible says that when they came to pray together, the whole place shook. Read it. It's there. They shook the world. They shook the first century because they were determined. They were focused on sharing this gospel, this Christianity that Christ had commanded them to. To share. And we need to get back to that, folks. Our nation is history. Life cycle of a nation is about 250 years. We're at 244. We better get busy as believers. We better start sharing the gospel. We better start praying. We better start doing these things that God has called us to do. To make every day count. Number five. A fifth way to make every day count. Get up and get outside. Now, if you're unable physically to get up and move around like like younger people do, <laughs> it's getting harder for me too. But if you can, just get up and get outside. Spend some time in God's creation. God has revealed Himself to us in three primary ways. Through the Word, the written Word of God... <clears throat> Through the living Word of God, Jesus Christ Himself, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
we beheld his glory, John says. So the written word, the living word, but then God has also revealed himself to us through that sunlight that's piercing through these blinds back here and the wind that you'll feel when you walk out and the mountains that you'll see and all of nature. God has, has supernaturally revealed himself to us through nature, through natural revelation. So get outside and enjoy it. I was sitting on my balcony last night, live up on the side of the hill, up there, and my back of my house faces the upper valley, and this this majestic rainstorm was sweeping through south of the river last night. Did you see that? Did anybody see that? Wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that amazing? The handiwork of God. Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. Look at Psalm 33. I love this passage in Psalm 33 and verse 6. For the Bible says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and by the breath of his mouth, all of their host. We serve a star breathing God, a God who fiat created this world instantaneously. He spoke it into existence over a six day period, a literal six day period. And he created it. And the heavens are indeed declaring the glory of God. How many of you like yard work? I don't. I hate yard work. It's one reason I moved to El Paso, so I didn't have to have a yard. And now I don't have a yard. I just have weeds. I have weeds growing up through my rocks. And so that's kind of frustrating. But some people like yard work. Get out and do some yard work. Go for a walk. I like to walk. I I call it hiking. My wife calls it walking. Sam, you just went for a walk. That wasn't a hike. No, it was a hike. Try to walk up festival in a 100 degree temperature in the middle of the day. That's, that wears me out. I'm huffing and puffing. I, I don't care what, what she says. No, I do care. Sorry. I care what you, oh, I'm in trouble now. Big trouble. I live in trouble. That's all right. But plant a tree. Have you ever planted a tree? Everywhere we've lived, I've planted a tree except here. Because if I plant it here, it'll die because it never rains. But it's a good thing to plant a tree. Sit. Just sit. If, if all you can do, just sit. Sit outside and enjoy God's natural revelation. Watch the sunset. Slow down enough to watch the sit, just sit there and watch the sunset. It's awesome. It's amazing. We're privileged to live in one of the greatest places in all of the world for sunsets. Do you understand that? They're beautiful. They're amazing. They're God's handiwork. Amen. Get some exercise. Try to do something daily for exercise. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20. Take care of the temple. Take care of your body. Why? So you can pray. So you can witness. So you can do what we as Christians should be doing every day to bring God glory with all of our life. i got something amazing I want to show you. Get it out of my pocket. Oh, look at that. I have a golf ball. You've seen golf balls. Now imagine for a moment if this golf ball was planet Earth. Hang with me. Now, so planet Earth, golf ball, planet Earth. Okay? Imagine up here on the stage a 15-foot diameter, and that's our sun. 15-foot diameter, planet Earth. 15-foot diameter, our sun. Our sun is 93 million miles away 
from planet Earth. At light traveling 186,000 miles a second, it takes approximately eight minutes for the light from our sun to touch our skin on planet Earth. That's moving on pretty quick. That's faster than my Kia Forte will go on I-10. That's cruising. I mean, eight minutes from the sun. Now, again, our sun is 15 feet in diameter, planet Earth. You could fit 960,000 planet Earths inside our sun. That's a lot, right? You ain't seen nothing yet. Go ahead and roll the video clip. Here's our moon. Let's take a little journey through our solar system for a moment. There's Mars, Venus. We're all familiar with those. And here's our privileged blue marble, planet Earth, that God has blessed us to live on. There's Neptune. Notice how small planet Earth is becoming. There's Saturn without the rings. I'm not sure why they didn't put the rings on there. Jupiter. Here comes our sun. It's a big star. Cirrus. Polix, which is known in scientific circles as an orange giant. Arcturus. Red giant star. What a beautiful star that is, isn't it? Regal. Blue hypergiant star. And notice, our sun is long gone. Our solar system is long gone. You see for your red supergiant. And here is the big dog. Literally, that's what it is. Canis Majoris. It's the big dog star. And this little speck coming up is our Earth. That's really way, way, way too big. That's really more like our sun compared to Canis Majoris. Canis Majoris is the largest star. One of the largest stars that scientists have discovered so far. It's not anywhere close to even the largest. Seven quadrillion Earths will fit inside Canis Majoris. That's a one with 15 zeros. You got million, billion, trillion, quadrillion. Seven quadrillion Earths will fit in Canis Majoris. Not even the biggest star. That's nothing for God. Do not we serve an awesome and amazing God? Now, if He can create Canis Majoris, He can help you with your problems. If he can create planet Earth, amazing as this little blue planet is, he can help you with your struggles. I want to take us to the other end of the spectrum now of God's creative majesty. In your body right now, hang on for a second. In your body right now, there is what's known as laminin. Laminin is an adhesion cell 
protein molecule. Laminin. It literally is holding your cells in your body together. Laminin is microscopic. You can't see it with a naked eye. You know what it looks like? You already got a preview. This is what a scientific diagram of laminin looks like. Isn't that amazing? Paul says to the Colossians in Colossians 1.17, For by him and all things... For by him and forth him, for him all things were created, and in him all things are holding together. There's millions and millions of these little crosses in your body holding your cells together. Look at it under an electron microscope. That's laminin. That's God's creative. Ability. You're being held together by a bunch of little microscopic crosses. The Bible says the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, 1 Corinthians 1.18. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross of Jesus Christ divides history. And it separates you from where you'll spend eternity if you reject the cross of Jesus Christ. Trust Him. If you've never done that today, trust Him as your Lord and Savior. Do not we serve an amazing and incredible, creative God? If He can create Canis Majoris and Laminin, again, He can help you with your struggles. He can meet your needs. Cast all your cares on Him, for He cares for you. Listen. Forgot one thing about the golf ball, the earth. You could cover the entire state of Texas two feet deep in golf balls, earths. And that's how many golf balls would fit inside Canis Majoris. That's a lot of golf balls, a lot of earth. That's a big, majestic star. And he's holding you together with a cross. Amazing. Louis Giglio brings this out in his passion sermons that he does across the country. This is not original with me. And it's awesome. It's amazing. I wanted to share that with you today. So make each day count. Get up. Get outside. Enjoy God's creation. Number six. This will be your favorite one, I'm sure. It's my favorite one. And that is this. Fast periodically. Everybody says, hey, man, I love, I love not to eat. Don't you just love not to eat? <laughs> I love to eat. Now, I only ate at Five Guys Burger Place one time last week. That was an accomplishment. I know I need, I need to lose a little weight. I'm working on it. You know why they call it Five Guys, by the way? If you eat there too, too often, you'll look like Five Guys. <laughs> I had to get that one in. I'm sorry. Fast periodically. Jesus said, not if you fast, but when you fast. Matthew 6, 16. It's in the Bible. I'm just not making it up. Jesus said, when you fast. In other words, insinuating that you need to fast. Why do we need to fast? 
because we're too fat, at least I am, and so we need to fast sometimes. It's good for you. It's good for you physically. It's good for you spiritually. Have you ever done a long fast? Again, Jesus is our example. He fasted for 40 days. I've done that. It's not easy. It's hard. It is so fast, but that's between you and the Lord. How long? Two hours? Two days? Two weeks? Two months? But you should do it. It will draw you close to God. It will help you focus on Him. It will, it will cause you to be completely reliant and dependent upon Him to get you through each and every moment of the day. So fast periodically. Make your day count. And do that from time to time. Don't be legalistic about it. Don't let other people, you know, put you on a guilt trip about it. It's up to you and when you do it and how you do it. But the Bible wants us to draw close to God. And one way to do that, Jesus said, is to fast. Now, I understand that some folks cannot fast from food because of medical reasons. Right, Mabel? Some folks can't do that. So if you can't fast from food, then fast from something else you normally do. And don't do that, whatever it might be, and use that time to pray and to seek God's presence. But the point is, spend time with the Lord, as we've said, and fast periodically. The context is generally food in the New Testament. But again, if you can't do food, you can do something else. So nobody's off the hook drawing close to the Lord. Finally, number seven. The seventh way to make every day count. It's the big one. Be quick to forgive. Be quick to forgive. Don't hold a grudge. Remember your life is like a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it's gone. Life is too short to be angry and mad at someone. It happened maybe 20, 30, 50 years ago. I know people like that. They're still mad about something that happened to them 50 years ago. They're still angry and they're bitter and it's destroying their life. Paul says to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians 4, Verses 31 and 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted to one another, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Wow. I bet you can forgive somebody else because God has forgiven you. Matter of fact, Jesus says if you don't forgive others, he's not going to forgive you. We've got to be careful with that. Hebrews 12:15. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. Be quick to forgive people. Again, life is too short to be at odds with someone, with your brother or sister in Christ, or for that matter, for anyone else. Do not let that root of bitterness defeat you destroy you. That's what the devil wants to do. The devil's slick. He's not all powerful. We have power over him. Greater is he who's in us than he who is in the world. 
He is under the authority of God Almighty. When he touched Job, he had to have God's permission. Don't give the devil too much credit. He cannot defeat you and destroy you unless you allow him to. Unless you open that door and invite him in. Don't do it. Kick him out of your life. Kick the devil off of your real estate. And you can defeat him. And don't let bitterness, which is of the devil, don't let it defeat you. Several years ago, an author by the name of John Ortberg wrote a book entitled, Everyone is Normal Until You Get to Know Them. Have you discovered that? Married couples, have you discovered that? If you know somebody for very long, you'll figure out, oh, they're not normal. Something's wrong. You know what that wrong thing is? It's called sin. That's what's wrong and selfishness. And so we all come as is with all of our flaws, with all of our imperfections. And we need to learn to forgive and to forgive quickly. Jesus forgives you of your sin. We are to forgive others of their sin and move forward. Amen. Be quick to forgive. If you want to make every day count, pray and listen. Witness for Christ. Read and apply God's word. Show someone you love them. Get up and get outside and enjoy creation. Fast periodically. And then be quick to offer forgiveness. I want to close with 1 John chapter 4. As we prepare to take the Lord's Supper this morning, I want you to be praying and asking God to forgive you. And I'm praying and asking God to forgive me of my sin. Help us to repent of our sin. A change of mind that leads to a change of behavior, a change of action. A repent, repenting is an about face, turning from our sin and turning to Christ. First John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who is born of God and knows God, the one who does not love does not know God. For God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation, just a big word for satisfying our sins. God was satisfied because of the work that his son did for us on the cross. And that is amazing. That is God's grace. Be quick to forgive. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your goodness to us today. Lord, still our hearts and minds now as we enter into this very sacred time of observing your table. Remind us of the great sacrifice that you paid for us. And thank you, God, that you were satisfied. That what your son did was perfect. He was the only one who could do it. The Lamb of God who takes away 
the sin of the world. We thank you, Lord, for your finished work on the cross on our behalf. And Lord, help us now to turn from any sin known or unknown in our lives and repent of it and come clean with you and move forward so that we can practice these seven things and many others that we need to be doing to bring you the honor and glory that you so richly deserve. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.